Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Pastor Jeff with Renaissance, and I want to just share a couple things with you that I've been learning again during my weekly sort of Bible study and devotional time. I've really been reminded, and, and forgive me if this seems to be lather, rinse, repeat, if it, if it appears that I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, um, apologies to you. But I'm just reminded time and time again that what the Lord desires for me, and I could argue for you as well, but what he desires from me is to just uh, thought that I would foster a relationship with him, that I would uh, receive the invitation that he has given to me and that I would respond in like kind, that he has reached out to me and that I would respond back to him. So when I consider the closeness that, um, that God desires to have with me, um, I'm beginning to have that well up inside of me, that I want to have that closeness with him as well. And so I've just been trying to start my day uh, before the, the day spins out of control and gets busy, you know, uh, just trying to spend my day just spending time um, early in the morning in prayer and in uh, Bible reading. And I've been just reading the Gospels. I've been reading the words of Jesus, specifically the, the parables that he's been teaching his disciples. And, and so today I just want to open up one of those parables um, that we'll get to in a minute and just talk about some of the things that, that I'm learning through all of this. I want to remind everyone um, something that happened way back in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, actually. God is talking to his creation. He's talking to Adam and Eve, and he tells them that all of the trees and their fruit have been given to you to eat, except for one. There's one tree that you're forbidden to eat from, and this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says these words of caution and warning to them. He says, and if you eat of that tree on that day, you will surely die. In the next chapter, we see that Adam and Eve were tempted by the great deceiver, Satan, the serpent, whatever that thing is. And they were tempted to disobey God and eat from that tree. But what we learn actually is that they didn't die that day. They didn't physically die. We read the... Um, Later in the book of Genesis, they had children, and we read of the exploits of those children and their children's children. So they didn't die immediately, but what I think God was really pointing to is that there would be a, a physical death that would take place. Yes, Adam and Eve eventually died, but there was something greater, a greater death that took place in that moment, that when they disobeyed God and sin entered the world, spiritual death came to them. They were, in fact, separated from God. They were banished from his presence, from the garden where God was every day. They were pushed outside of God's presence to live their own lives in their own way. Their decision to disobey God caused death to enter into their relationship with him, their relationship with God. They chose to end the relationship with God. I've been sharing this uh, in the office today um, this sentence that I wrote down, it says that the ultimate end of any relationship is death. That any relationship that you and I have, the ultimate end of that is death. And I think I'm considering that because of the, the amount of deaths that we've been seeing 
um, throughout the United States and the world due to this COVID-19 pandemic. As of today, today is Wednesday when I'm filming this, it's the 22nd of April, April, and we've had 46,000 deaths in the United States alone, over 180,000 deaths worldwide. And one of the things that strikes me about that is um, not just the fact that this happens suddenly and quickly. When people seem to get sick, they seem to die rather quickly. But it's, it's not just that the, a life has been lost, but, but that actually relationships that people have with those people are forever severed. They're forever gone. I, imagine this. As long as someone is still alive, there's always the hope of reconciliation. There's always the hope of that relationship the strain that's in that relationship, that it could be resolved. There's always this hope that the two people can be restored back into a perfect relationship. That is if they're still alive. But when that person dies, that relationship is forever severed. Nothing can restore that. I wonder if, in fact, that's not what Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples. If it's not one of the truths that he's trying to teach his disciples in some of his parables. There's a parable in, in Luke chapter 15, and that's where I'm going to spend our time today. It's a very popular parable. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. But I think one of the truths that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples is that, is that as long as that um, the people are alive, the hope of a restored relationship is possible. But once that person has died, there is no hope for that. So I want to pray for us now, and I'm going to read a uh, the first part of this parable and, and go through a couple things that I think uh, the Lord has showed me that has been helpful to me to consider during this time. And I think it might even be hopeful um, and helpful rather uh, to you as well. So would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together, even though we are separated by um, a great distance, and we are meeting online only in this time. We pray, though, as you hear my voice, that, God, you would, uh, you would speak to your people, that you would open their hearts, their eyes, and their ears, and that we could receive truth from you. Uh, Jesus, we know your words are alive. We know your words carry uh, with it not just um, the story that they tell, but there's a power in your words. And so we ask uh, Lord Jesus, that you would that you'd use your words to to um, change our way of thinking, that you would bring hope to us, uh, those of us who need hope, that you would bring a, a settledness and a peace to us, those of us who need settled and a peace in our lives. God, we thank you for our time together. We, we pray that you would minister to us. Uh, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A parable, just by way of explanation, is is not a real story. It, it's it's a fictional account. It's a story that that Jesus is telling to his disciples that contains a a, a moral or a spiritual truth that he's trying to explain to them. So the story we're about to read is not a real story. It's not a story that actually took place. These are fictional characters that Jesus is talking about. So in the beginning of this parable, we learn of a man, a man who has two sons. And we read this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, that there was a man who had two, two sons and the younger of the sons said to the father, 
Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. He's saying simply, God, give me my inheritance. Now, we, we know this, that most people don't get the inheritance of their parents until their parents have passed away. So what this son is truly saying to his father is, is he's saying you're dead to me right now. I want to go live my life um, like you don't exist to me anymore. I, want, I don't want to have relationship with you is really what the son is saying. Now, no father would want to hear that. I can assure you of that. I'm a dad of two girls myself. I would never want one of my children to come to me and say, I don't want to have relationship with you. But that's really the story that Jesus is setting the stage here, that this father is having that experience with his son. His son is saying, I don't want to have a relationship with you. I can't help but go back to the beginning, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and think about God in that moment. Is this what God felt when Adam and Eve chose to disobey him? When they've chosen to go live their life without him, chose to disobey him and choose their own way. Is that how God felt during this? So anyways, the father is now given a decision. Is he going to give his property, his inheritance to this son? And so he decides to do so. He divides the property between the two sons. And in verse 13, it says, Not many days later, that younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a faraway country. And there we learn that he squandered his property in reckless living, that he just blew his inheritance doing who knows what. doesn't really tell us here. But I was struck by this in verse 13, that, that he gathered all that he had. And when I was reading my... Um, my eyes just were drawn to that. I want you to picture this. All that the son has is nothing but what the father has given him. He, he gathers all that he had, and that is in fact nothing had the, God, had the father not decided to give him some inheritance, some property. And I want you to think about that for a moment. That's, that's exactly how God oftentimes um, wants us to consider our lives. And I miss this all the time that you and I forget that we, in fact, have nothing would it not be for God giving us something. People talk all the time that the first thing we should do when we um, open our eyes in the morning and take our first breath is to give God thanks for that breath. To give God thanks that he has raised us to new life again on a new day. But we oftentimes miss that because it seems so mundane, so uh, repetitive that it happens time and time again. We sometimes forget that the, the, the very breath in our lungs is, in fact, a gift from God. This son had gathered all that he had, and it was just the stuff that his father had given him. You and I have to remind ourselves that we have been given many things by God that we have been given many things. Whether we want to and choose to acknowledge they come from him or not, they have been truly given to us by him. Things like our intellect and our talent, our personalities, all of our gift sets, and yes, even most importantly, God has given us free will. Free will. The, the will to choose to have a life of relationship with him or a life without him. He ultimately leaves that to us. And we, we can acknowledge this or not, but the reality is there. God gives us our lives. The only thing we don't get to do is the ability, is to have the ability to control all of the circumstances in our life. 
God blesses us with many things, but that is not one thing he's given us the ability to do, is to control everything or to even save ourselves when some circumstances seem to get out of control. Situations like we find ourselves in even now. So we keep reading, the son then takes everything that he has been received from his father and he leaves the country where he has squandered all of his property and his money and he spends it recklessly. In verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, now a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. Now, this is not a true story. I remind you of that as well. But Jesus is just showing us how the issues of life can cause great needs to be exposed in our lives. This famine is not a real famine. He's just trying to say that sometimes there are things in our lives that put pressure upon us. On top of other pressures, we've learned that this person has already spent all of his money. He has no resources left. And then on top of that, life seems to throw a famine his direction. And you can just feel the, the wave coming over him that there's no help for him now. And soon uh, he's going to be... Uh, drifting even further beneath the, the oncoming waves as they continue to push against him. Life just keeps coming at him time and time again. And so he does what he thinks he needs to do. He does what oftentimes you and I do when we find ourselves in situations and circumstances where we're losing control is we try to gather control back. Rather than settle ourselves and listen to what God might be saying to us in the midst of turmoil and, and um, the anxiousness of our hearts, we try to, to salve it. We try to push it back by controlling things. The next thing that we see him do is he goes and he tries to find a job. Verse 15, so he goes and he hires himself out to one of the citizens in the country. I don't have any money. There's a famine coming. I'll just go fix this. I'll go get a job and that'll be uh, fine for me. And so he finds himself working for one of the citizens in this country, um, feeding pigs, feeding the livestock. In verse 16, it says, while he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, he saw that no one gave him anything. He had hired himself out, but that didn't satisfy his hunger I mean, Jesus is pointing to a real hunger. There's a famine in the land, but there's oftentimes a hunger that's inside of us that's not even related to food. There's something deep in all of us that desires, that longs for. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's, it's a talent. Maybe it's a successful business. Maybe it's a successful marriage, the perfect relationship. Maybe it's the perfect education. I don't know, but sometimes deep inside of us, there's a longing that aches to be um, satisfied. And we try everything we know to do to satisfy that longing to satiate that hunger, so to speak. And in this story, even though he had tried to take control of the situation and rectify everything the way he knew how to, he still can't do it. He's still not finding comfort. He's still not finding that which he's looking for. And the same can be true in our lives. You see, sometimes we feel empty. We long for these things, and so we strive to curb our cravings. We go after that new haircut, the new wardrobe, the right education, diploma, the right girlfriend, boyfriend, the right 
anything and we strive for those things, oftentimes to, to achieve them, to get them, only to realize before long the tarnish um, begins to be exposed in them. What was once shiny and brand new and hope-filled now doesn't seem to satisfy the way it used to. And over time, the hunger pangs come back. And over time, we find ourselves empty and devoid of everything all over again. What we find is soon after the compliments fade and soon after the, 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 the greatness and the joy that we seem to have um, in our newfound thing, whatever it is that we've got a hold of, the goosebumps fade away and we find ourselves empty again. And that's how this young man found himself. So no one would give him anything and he was hungry. And in the midst of his hunger, it says here in verse 17, it's in the midst of this hunger is when he finally came to himself. It's when he finally realized what was going on. Let me read what it says here in verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, the younger son said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but here I perish with hunger. So verse 18, I'm going to arise and go to my father and I'm going to say to him, father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So just treat me as one of your hired servants. He's practicing his speech, basically. So verse 20, he arise, he arose, rather he gets up and he goes back to his father. And he's about to tell him that prepared speech. But it says here in verse 20 that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. The father saw him and felt compassion on him. And it says that he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And then the son gets this opportunity to give that speech. And he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So just call me one of your servants. But the father, verse 22, said to one of his servants, almost in a way of an interruption, before the son could finish his, his repentance and um, Apology, the father says to one of his servants, quickly bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He had, he'd lost everything. I just, even now as I'm reading this, I'm struck by that line that he didn't even have shoes on. That he's, he's on a journey back to his father. And um, I don't know if you're like me, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I hate walking around barefoot. It drives me insane. I'm actually jealous of people who can walk barefoot and step on rocks and it doesn't bother their feet at all. But I can only imagine this painful journey back to his father. And maybe every step on a rock, every pebble, every thorn that he stepped on is a reminder that I have put myself in this situation. You see, I chose to live a life like my father doesn't exist. I chose to live a life like my provider doesn't exist. I chose to say to my dad that he's dead to me. But when he comes back, the, the father says, no, stop everything. Before you finish saying what you're about to say, we're going to throw a celebration. I'm going to put my best robe on you. I'm going to put a ring on your finger and I'm going to cover your hurting feet. And we will celebrate today. And this is why we're going to celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. 
Now, some of you know the story doesn't end there. It actually continues on to talk about the other son. The younger son asks for the inheritance. The older son actually stays behind. I don't want to talk about the older son today. Maybe we'll do that another time, maybe next week. But I wanted to just focus um, on what Jesus is pointing to in this parable at this point. That there was a moment when the father uh, thought his son was dead. There was a moment when he had lost all hope of reconciliation and um, uh, restoration of their relationship. But when he found out that his son was alive, he couldn't help but celebrate. He couldn't help but rejoice that his son had been uh, found alive again. I want you to know Luke chapter 15 contains three different parables. There's two in front of this one. There's the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And simply put, it just means those two stories say something like this. There's a man who has a hundred sheep and he loses one. And he goes, he leaves the 99 and he goes and finds the one sheep. And when he finds it, he brings it back home and he calls his neighbors and he says, listen, that which I thought was lost has been found again. Come celebrate with me. The, the same thing with a lost coin. There's a person who has about two weeks wages in coins and they lose a coin and they say that they turn on all the lights and they sweep the house looking for the coin. And when they finally find that coin, they call their neighbors in to say, listen, that which I thought was lost has been found again. What Jesus is pointing to at this part in the story is that the son had been lost. The son had been lost, but, but has been found again. And, and the father rejoices in those other two parables, Jesus says that when the, the sheep had been found, he says, oh, I didn't mean to share this with you, but I don't want to share it with you now. He says, he goes, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous person who need no repentance. It's like the sheep that has been lost and has been found again. It's a picture of you and I that we, when we choose to no longer live our lives as, as, as if God is dead to us, that we have no relationship with him, that we don't need his, pro, his providing, that we don't need his help. But when we finally come to that place where we understand that we absolutely need him, he says there's more joy in heaven over that one person who would finally come to that conclusion that I don't want to live without God. I just have to say as painful as these experiences are these last few weeks, and if you're like me, I'm, I'm kind of over it. I want to just go to the mall. I want, I want to go to a restaurant. I want to sit down and not have to cook for myself. I want to just go out and be with other people. But until then, I'm praying that God would use this circumstance in our world to draw people back to himself. That We can't control our circumstances right now. We can't do anything. We're trying. Many people are trying. But like that young son, that young prodigal son, we can never control them enough to save ourselves. There's this moment when we just come to the realization that we need greater help than we can give ourselves and we return to the Father. And that's the picture, that we would return back to God the Father. That's been my prayer lately. I like church. Okay, it's my job. I mean, I work for a church. I chose to do so. No one's roped me into this. It was a willful decision on my own part. But my heart breaks for the people that don't know Jesus and don't, don't have a family like we have in the church. My heart hurts for those people who, who truly have 
um, in their own minds, thought to, th- thought to believe that there is no way to rectify this current situation. That there's nothing that can overcome my anxiety or my fear or, or my doubts in this world. That, that I've tried everything else imaginable in the world and nothing seems to satisfy. And in this time, as this famine has come across the land, as this, this pandemic has come across this land, it is laying even more pressure and stress upon us. And it is my desire that people would come to realize that they need help. That they would rise up and that they would walk their barefoot selves back to where God is, and they would say, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I've chosen to live a life as if you don't exist. Even now, I I wonder um, if God isn't even saying, Jeff, what's happening in the world around you is less about you and more about other people. It's so easy for us to make all of this about us, the difficulties we face, the challenges we face. And all the while, there are people around us who are at greater need because they don't even know who Jesus is. They don't know the loving, uh, saving grace that God has provided through Jesus. I want to just close in prayer. I I want us to ask that God might share with us um, how he wants to use this time in our lives to expose the people's greatest needs for him. I want to pray for someone who's watching right now that, that maybe is like that prodigal son who, who has decided to live a life without God and you've, you've realized that it's not working out for you and that you want to return to God. You want to go back to God the Father and say, I, I believe in you. I trust in you. I know that you can help in the situation. And for those of us who are already believers, maybe the Lord would place it upon our hearts to reach out to some people that we know that don't have faith in him. So let's just close in prayer. Would you, would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for our time again today. It is my desire that just the words of Jesus would be helpful to us. I pray for those people listening that, that don't know Jesus, that, that this current world situation, this pandemic that's taking place, that it would not be wasted. And that sounds weird to say, but that God would use this terrible event that he did not cause, but he would use this terrible event to draw us closer to him. Just like that, that famine in that story of the prodigal son was used to, to place a hunger inside of him to make him realize that he needed help. May this, this scenario in our lives be used by God to remind us that we need help, that we have a hunger that we cannot satisfy without you. And God, for, for those of us who are believers, I just pray, God, you would place in our mind's eye the, the image of a friend, maybe the name of a friend or a family member who could use a phone call this week, who could use a text to just see how they're doing, to, to, that, God, you would use us to bring hope to them, that you would use us to bring truth to them. God, I, I thank you for our time together. Um, I look forward to the day when we can all gather together and we can sing together and pray together and study our Bibles together. But God, um, I know that we will never come back together until you have finished doing what you're trying to accomplish during this time. So God, we, we give to you the right as if we need to give it to you, but we give to you the right to complete that which you're trying to accomplish. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.